Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Killar jag så bra som mig Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson Vackra, snälla Yes, welcome everybody there it's my very good friend the fantasy hockey robot the poobah prognostication the ipp mvp himself brian calm brian how you doing man i'm good elon thanks for asking hello everybody hello oh you throw me off you never start by asking me how i'm doing i don't know if this is a newfound concern i'm trying to be a good friend here thank you i know you're still working on on our on our tiff from a month or two the upl uh argument uh, I mean, but, it was a one-sided tiff, but yeah. Anyways, how are you? Tell us, though. Yeah. I, I, I want to know. You know, I listen to other podcasts, and they have, like, guests on. I guess you're not a guest. You're, like, my co-host. But they actually do kind of start the show with some sort of, like, how's your life? And, oh, yeah, oh, I had a good that, weekend. That is, like, the family. We went to the whatever. That is and it's like, a lot of shows start like that. What breeds success. Although, I will say, uh, I, try, I took my kid skating. Uh, she just turned four uh, on an outdoor rink for the first time this year, on any rink for the first time this year. She did not like it. Like, she was not happy at all. She's regressed since her last skating out- outing last year. And I showed her a video of her skating last year. Being like, hey, like, afterwards, like, hey, you could do this. If anybody has tips on teaching a four-year-old to skate happily outside who doesn't like being outside because it's cold and is terrified of falling, even though I fell, like, on purpose 40 times in front of her, uh, please... I need tips. Uh, send them at Keeping Carlson or okay. yeah, or, how, or your private. How, <laughs> I don't know. If I well, that's what I want. You told me to be human to share something okay. from my life. I did, and it was. I still just asked how you're doing. Show also for our. Intro, you know what? I'm at work and I see like coworkers, and I'm like, "How are you doing?" They usually just say, "Good." How are you? And I say, "Pretty good." And then we well, keep on I, walking. That's how I started, and you're like, "Well, some podcasts start with chit chat, and they talk about their weekend and what they did with their family." I just, yeah, no, I'm okay. just trying to follow instruction here. Also. Blue Wire is our network. They are a major network, Elon, and they... Uh... Okay, well, I didn't mean like that. I mean, like, we're self-produced. Obviously, like, yeah, we appreciate the support of Blue Wire in, like, they're hosting our show, all that stuff. But, you know, it's not as if we're, like, getting some awesome, like, fa- famous people being like, check out the latest episode of Keeping Cars, you know, or whatever. We don't have, like, fancy editors. I'm not able to just be like, oh, cut that in post, uh, Peter. And then we have Peter in the back, I'm like, don't worry, I got you. It's like, we, we don't have that. But anyways, I'm not complaining. I just had to come up with a joke to start the show but now brian we've gone way too long without talking the about start of the show, show has now become a joke 
Okay, exactly. So let's just get moving. Uh, as soon as we first mentioned that we are super ha- happy to be uh, presented by so another partner we have that I maybe gave a short shrift to, uh, DauberHockey.com. They're fantastic. Uh, it's a site that I use. It, it's my support for preparing the show and for any success that I have in fantasy hockey. I love the articles. They have really smart people writing over there, plus the tools at Frozen Tools cannot be beat. So check it out, DauberHockey.com. Uh, but with that, Brian, yeah, let's just get right into it, Okay, We're going to just go through a bunch of stuff. Uh, I will say quickly a quick uh i don't know promo for myself i I dropped a new show uh that's in your feed right before this one the um oh man now i'm forgetting what did i call it again the matchup maximizer uh is is the name of the show as of now working title uh where uh yeah that's going to be our new sunday morning show for a little bit and i tried to walk through like the games for today and like who would you maybe want to stream in to like get that uh, last piece you need to win and then also looked at the schedule for next week so definitely open to some feedback there hope people liked it uh my voice is still kind of sore from all that talking so brian you're gonna have to maybe carry the load today but i'll get the ball rolling first with the talking by talking about some injuries and outjuries and let's start on the outjuries let's go to washington okay because nicholas backstrom and tom wilson are both back and like when i was preparing the show yesterday we still hadn't seen any line combinations like i have no idea who's playing with who and now i'm sitting down here i see that it's one nothing for washington against columbus in the third and neither of these uh new returning players have gotten any points the only goal is by Eric Gustafsson, assisted by Nick Dowd and Garnett Hathaway. So almost a schmold. Obviously, now Gustafsson has become someone that's on a lot of rosters. But yeah, let's check out last game lines here on Frozen Tools. So Kuznetsov, Tom Wilson, and Strom. Then Ovechkin with Sherry and Nicholas Backstrom. So very interesting, right? I would have thought that Kuznetsov or Strom or Backstrom would be like the third line center. But clearly they decided to put Kuznetsov and Strom together. Uh, so one of them is playing center. I guess Dylan Strom is winger eligible. So I'd imagine he just went to the wing. Uh, okay. I, I, I'm going to tell you, Brian, I didn't expect this. Also, Ovi and Backstrom didn't play together most of last year. Even when Backstrom was healthy, it was usually Ovechkin playing with Kuznetsov. But I guess this season already, Ovechkin's been playing a lot with Dylan Strom. So we'll see how long these lines last. Like on one hand, it doesn't seem like they've produced very much. Uh, but on the other hand, they are winning this game. So I guess that's all that matters at the end. Uh, what, what do we think about these guys? I guess like the, a general question could just be like Backstrom and, you know, Tom Wilson, first of all, just like how excited are we for these players? Are they the types that we think are going to like, you know, now the people who drafted them or added them at a free agency, like are just getting like a huge gain from getting them or is it good? And obviously they're two different players. You could have different answers, but yeah. Or is it more just like, yeah, maybe they'll help, but you know, don't get too, too excited. I think it's more the latter. Like last year with Backstrom, when he was playing, there were a lot of like, should we hold Backstrom or should we let him go? What do we do with him? Backstrom on the whole had just a 54-point pace last season and 68 shots over 47 games. So that's like barely a shot and a half per game. He did have power play production, which was really the one place that Nicholas Backstrom was valuable if you get a bonus in your league for either assists or power play assists. That's good. Otherwise, there wasn't a whole lot that he had to offer. And I honestly feel that he didn't, at five on five at least, distinguish himself very much from someone like Dylan Strom, who might help you some nights, probably won't help you most nights, and doesn't do anything else on the nights where he doesn't help you. So that's where I met with Nick Backstrom. I, I'm, I'm not terribly... I'll, maybe I'll say I'll, I'm cautiously 
optimistic. I think he can still be a great power play producer because we haven't seen him stop being that yet. But my concern would be that uh, it's not enough to really prop up really steady points or, or help for your fantasy team unless, I mean, 55 points is not chopped liver and assists and power play assists are categories and leagues. And like I said, that's, he's sort of like a specialist in those categories. So of course, depends on your format. And then Tom Wilson also depends largely on your format, right? Yeah, actually, I'll interrupt really quickly. I'm just looking at the box score a little deeper. Tom Wilson currently has five hits. Already. In game. Yeah, yeah. In uh, what does he play? He's played 12 and a half minutes, it looks like, and five hits. So that's a, that's a really nice start. This is a guy who threw three hits a game last season and has been doing something around three or four hits a game for, well, basically forever. So if that helps you and gets 55 points along the way, then yeah, absolutely, Tom Wilson's interesting. We'll see if he can get up to a couple shots per game. Like if I'm picking between Tom Wilson and Nicholas Backstrom, and there's no power play bonus or category or whatever in my format, I think I'd go Tom Wilson at this point. Assuming hits are counted, because I expect Wilson to shoot more, and I I assume Wilson's going to finish in the same point-scoring neighborhood as Backstrom. Yeah, it's interesting because like, I feel like I like Wilson a lot or I have over these last couple of years uh, because he was playing with Ovechkin, right? And that was helping get a lot of points. I think if these lines stick and Wilson is not on the top power play, I should mention the top power play uh, today was Ovi, Kuznetsov, Oshi, Backstrom, and then Eric Gustafsson. So if Wilson's like not with Ovi at even strength and he's not on the top power play... He just becomes maybe a guy who hits a lot. I don't know. Maybe we'll get like some points. Again, being in the top six is good, but he might not be like as valuable as in previous years. But again, this is like one game and it's not even like they're scoring a bunch of goals. So you could easily see a blender happening until the caps settle on something. So I'm definitely not saying that like I'm done with Tom Wilson. And yeah, he is at least giving you those hits. But yeah, I'll be very interested to follow along. Also, I should mention TJ Oshie, by the way, I guess third line, but he was like there last year. Like I think we know what Oshie is right now. He's also kind of a power play guy, but at least scores goals as opposed to Backstrom who's more of an assist guy. Right. Yeah. And I think just going back to Tom Wilson for a second, I think that's a really good caveat. If he's away from Ovechkin, then maybe all bets are off. And I would rather have Backstrom in that guaranteed power play production. But again, we could see a lot change. So keep an eye. The two things you're watching for is Backstrom holding on the top power play. And is Wilson playing alongside Ovechkin? If they both are, they probably hold some value in your format. Tom Wilson probably has value regardless of where he plays in any format that will reward his hits. And TJ Oshie... Uh, he just continues to be TJ Oshie, right? Nothing yeah. nothing great, nothing terrible, borderline rosterable at times, and sometimes rewarding <laughs> in small doses. By the way, since we're just talking about hits really quickly, I don't think we have the Ottawa Senators on the docket. I have a guy in my dynasty league, Parker Kelly. That guy hits a lot. He hits a lot. If you need hits and, you want, and you're in a, uh, like a cap league, I'll take uh, Parker Kelly over Tom Wilson for here's, the cheaper contract. Here's my question about Parker Kelly. Does he have two uh-huh. first names or two last names? Well, Parker is... That's like one of those new types of names. Like, I don't consider that a first name. Okay, so two but, last names. Yeah, I'd say two last names. All right. Okay. Um, what else? Oh, I guess that's Ron Washington. Let's talk about Connor Sherry really quickly, just because he was on such a hot streak, right? He's really been gelling playing on that line with Ovechkin, and he's still on that line, which is good news, right? I think a lot of people were maybe worried that with all these people coming back, maybe that would mean Sherry gets bumped down the lineup. And I guess, yeah, it obviously still could happen. But if it's going to be Sherry, Backstrom, and Ovi, then that's really nice for Connor Sherry. And probably he could keep up this pace at least somewhat, right? Like he has nine points in his last seven going into 
into today. Not no points today. Are you holding on uh, at this point, or is he still kind of, to me? He's been like streamer level all year. But the last time I streamed him in, he did really well. Then I dropped him once his good schedule was over, and then someone else grabbed him, and he hasn't been dropped since. And I'm wondering, did I did I mess that up? Should I have just held on to Connor Sherry? I th- I think you were not wrong to drop him, but it's definitely bitten you if you let go of Connor Sherry at the wrong time. Yeah, now nine points in seven games, uh, eight of those being assists, and just nine shots for Connor Sherry. He has three multi-point outings, though, in these last seven games, so the points look good. His assists have been on uh, going chronologically backwards, goals by Sonny Milano, Ovechkin, Ovechkin, Gustafsson, Strom, Gustafsson, Milano, Ovechkin, and the majority of, of those assists have been primaries, which is great news for Connor He's creating actually like meaningful scoring chances that are ending up in the back of the net. All of this, by the way, like this tear, nine points in seven games, that's gotten Sherry up to a 55-point pace on the season, which might be about where he belongs if he sticks with Ovechkin, which is not a safe assumption anymore now that we have so much influx in Washington. So I think similarly to Tom Wilson, his value comes if he is playing with Alex Ovechkin. And I think you've got to hold Sherry until he quiets down or gets split from Ovechkin. Uh, Cause when Sherry's quiet, he doesn't do enough to merit holding. And again, he's another player who's really similar. Like a lot of these capitals fancy wise are very similar. Uh, like Dylan Strom also in this category, you know, you've got someone who's uh, not doing much for you on the nights. He doesn't score. And, of course, Strom is on the top power player, has been. Sherry is not, so that's even less. So hold him through the hot streak. Uh, if you want, you can hold him through his time with Ovechkin, even if he does cool off over the next couple games. But once he's away from Ovechkin, that's when my interest ends in Connor yeah. Sherry. Makes sense, yeah. And I'm, but Dylan Strom, by the way, off the top power play now, I guess bumped by Backstrom. So that's another reason to maybe let yeah. go of him. Uh, and then I'll just mention one more player. Martin Feherveri is a guy we've never mentioned on the show before. He's not big for the offense, but you know, we were talking about hits before from Parker Kelly and Tom Wilson. Feherveri is getting you hits and blocks. He's been a really good peripherals defenseman, like basically all season long. He already has three hits and one block today. In the last game versus Nashville, he had four hits and six blocks. So, you know, got to give some love to the Bangers Leagues people out there. Maybe they already know about him, but I just feel like it's a name we've never said before. So cross that off the checklist. Uh, Martin Feherveri a very good peripherals defenseman. Yeah, he's like a top five hitter in the league right now. If you're looking at rates, he plays on the third pairing, so he doesn't uh, see like necessarily the volume of minutes to actually end up in, in the counts of uh, of top five hitting. I'm just actually looking, like I have his per 60 number here, but his actual number of total hits puts him in the top 15 instead of the top five because he's a third pairing defenseman. So if his minutes ever increase and he gets to just keep doing the same role, then that's really great news. But even without that, like you said, Elon, he could be a nice deep cut for anybody looking to add hits, and Tom Wilson is not an option. Okay, so let's go to some more outjuries now in Winnipeg. Of course, Brian, you talked about this on your great short shifts appearance with Jeremy, who's had a couple of great short shifts appearance of his own. Great job, Jeremy Versillo. And he'll be back for the rest of the month with Lewis, breaking down our short shifts episodes, you know, our little amuse-bouches, as you say, uh, in between the mega shows. Uh, so uh, that's another reason to be subscribed to our podcast feed. We've got a lot of fun shows coming at you. And yeah, we're not slowing down, even though we're into the second, you know, I don't know, p- portion of the fantasy season. But yeah, you talked about Winnipeg. But let's talk about them some more now that we have a few games under our belt, including a huge 7-4 win today on Sunday versus the Canucks. Uh, They've got Ehlers, they've got Wheeler, they've got Perfetti back in the lineup. And today, you know, you see like seven Winnipeg goals. I have Wheeler in the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League. So I was like, all right, let's check out what he did. 
no points, no shots. What? Okay, well, that's okay. I also have Mark Shifley. Also no points on seven goals. It's Everything came from this line of Dubois, Ehlers, and of course, Kyle Connor, who had the big game with a hat trick. Dubois assisted on four goals, and Nick Ehlers had a goal and two assists. And there was some, I guess, points from the bottom six. Uh, our friend, uh, what's his name? Axel Johnson Fijalvi, one of the better names in the NHL. He had a goal and an assist today. But yeah, so, you know... I, I, I guess like Wheeler, you said on the show that you did with Jeremy, how he's sort of like a streaky guy. And sometimes he goes hot and sometimes he goes cold. Hopefully this is not the start because now it's two games with no points for Blake Wheeler. Um, I guess Cole Perfetti is also here. So it's been Wheeler, Perfetti, and Shifley. And yet nothing for these guys. Uh, Perfetti is someone I mentioned on my stream of consciousness yesterday as like someone maybe to add for this Sunday game then also for next week. But he's really doing nothing. Like, he keeps not getting points, so maybe I might take it back. It's kind of like one of these guys you expect he'll do something from his spot in the roster, but at some point you just have to give up on him. Like, I uh, remember a couple weeks ago we were talking about Adam Bokvist on the top power play in Columbus, and I just had that hunch of, like, I know, like, he's in a good spot, but I still pass. Like, I know Columbus has a good schedule. Like, all this stuff, I was like, I still don't want him. And look at that, he ended up getting healthy scratch. And I'm not saying that Perfetti's going to get healthy scratch, but he's not that interesting right now. Uh, Ehlers is obviously the most exciting of these outjuries. Finally also getting a top power play spot, which he used to never be able to get. Um, so what's my question here, Brian? I guess it's just like, Wheeler, are we worried about him? Perfetti, is he even worth grabbing at this point? And then Nikolai Ehlers... I don't know how, what are we expecting? I I was expecting huge things from Nikolai Ehlers, right? For sure. Yeah. We're coming into the season expecting big things from Nick Ehlers, who last season uh, or the last few seasons, he's basically paced for on aggregate 75 points. And that's from the second power play unit. So this was the year that Nick Ehlers was going to show up on that top power play unit and add I don't know, potentially 15 points to that output. We had we had eyes to Ehlers being able to be an above a point per game player. And I hope that's what he's on track to do now that he's healthy. Uh, John in the chat and I have both been waiting a long time. I've hung in in a season-long points league, uh, points only. And uh, I've, I've been hanging in, waiting for Ehlers to return. I'm, I'm, I'm hanging by a thread. I'm in the top three, but I, there's some distance between me and number one now. And I am really hoping that Ehlers can help pull me back into contention with his return. Uh, for Wheeler, Elon, I, I mean, what I said on short shifts still stands where he's someone who he's been doing much better than I've expected, even though it's still about the same as he's been doing for the last three years. He's just a little older now, which is why we'd expect him to fall off. Some of his advanced stats are falling off too, but the points have not fallen off with them, which is... Strange. So I don't expect him to be quite as hot as he was going into this injury, but still should be fairly serviceable. And then Cole Perfetti does seem like super hit or miss. Remember, he's just he just turned 21 uh, at the turn of the new year. January 1st, baby Cole Perfetti. So he's uh, he's in his first full season in the league, still finding his feet. Consistency can be an issue, and I think that's all we're seeing now. I think he might be good for a stream, and if he gets hot, like there have been moments where it's like, yeah, you need to go out and get Cole Perfetti, but you also don't want to be too attached to somebody like him. Yeah, I feel like if he's not on the top power play, 
He's not, he's not especially exciting. Also, uh, it really seems like just this line of Dubois, Connor, and Ehlers are really gelling. Like, Pierre-Luc Dubois, we had actually uh, Zach Fry in our patron Discord asked us to just like give an appreciation shout-out to Pierre-Luc Dubois for the season he's having. Yeah, after these four assists today, Dubois is up to 47 points in 40 games on the year. Unbelievable. That's a 96-point pace. This is, uh, you know, very exciting for him, I'm sure, because he's going to have his contract over at the end of the year. He's going to be still an RFA, so we'll have to see what winnipeg is gonna do with him i know he like said that he doesn't want to resign with him but like what does that even mean if you're an rfa you're just gonna take take a year off so i'll be it, that'll be a very fun drama i guess in the off season uh but man like remember in the 2016 draft pierre Luc dubois i remember went third overall and people were kind of like poo-pooing it a little bit i mean kind of like brady kachuk vibes right of like i don't know you left yesi pooley uh to take pierre Luc dubois i don't know if that was the right decision of course turns out that both well it turns out columbus made a great pick edmonton made a bad pick on puliarvi then vancouver made a really bad pick with Oli Levy, and then calgary took matthew kachuk next which was maybe the gem of the entire draft well i guess i can't say that because austin matthews went first but anyway fun to look back sometimes at some of these drafts also alex nylander went eighth overall remember that a lot of busts in the top 10 sergachev nine tyson jose 10 so yeah a lot of hit and miss anyways we're talking about pierre dubois I mean, he's awesome, right? All of a sudden, this guy is a superstar in the league. I'm really excited to see where he's going to go next year, what team he's going to be on. And yeah, at this point, I'd love to get a piece of any of that top line. Ehlers, Dubois, or of course, Kyle Connor, all like huge superstars. Yeah, so good luck getting a piece of that top line as they're all huge superstars. I mean, Dubois is on a 94-point pace so far, matching the best 5-on-5 production of his career, which came way back. In 2018-19, when he was a sophomore in Columbus, Dubois paced for 61 points that season. And the difference now is that he's doing that at five on five and a little bit more, but he also is on the top power play unit this season, which he hasn't really been consistent. Well, he has been, but he's never seen this much run on the top unit before. Dubois has already has 16 power play points this year through 40 games. He had just nine power play points in 82 games last season, and he is one shy of breaking his career high of 17 power play points, which he had in 81 games last year. So, I mean, I'm going out on a limb here, but I, I think Dubois is going to do it. I think he's going to set a new career high for power play yeah, points. I think so. He's shooting a little less at five on five, but more on the power play. So overall, we're happy. Uh, Dubois is in the top 20 in power play goal scores, actually. He's taken a lot of high quality shots there. You know, we saw this potential from Dubois, but we weren't sure he could reach it, given that at five on five, he and Shifley are each centering like a 1A, 1B line. But this is uh, him showing that, yeah, he can do it by centering like a, a timeshare of top line with top power play time. Dubois is making the most of his five on five ice and crushing it with power play opportunities. And this does not appear to be a mirage. That's what we said about Dubois' production last year. This is a guy who I think is playing up to his potential finally. And Elon, if I if I asked you, I don't know if you know offhand, how old do you think Dubois is by now? I mean, I, I think I could give a pretty good guess considering yeah. I was just talking about how you he just was drafted all in 2016. Other... Yeah, okay. Like, uh, up say around 24? Yeah, it's hard, but it's hard to believe that Dubois is just 24 years old this year. Like, this is his age 24 season, and he's already had, like, a career's worth of ups and downs. But I think this is a player hitting his stride, entering his prime, and I'm believing what I'm seeing from Pierre-Luc Dubois. 
Yeah, he's going to make a lot of money for sure. And it's interesting because he was also traded, of course, from Columbus to Winnipeg for Patrick Laine, who at the time it really felt like an even trade. It's, I don't know, it's starting to look to me like do uh, like Winnipeg won that trade. I guess in the end, like neither was going to like stick with their team. So like both teams were handcuffed. But Laine is actually on a bit of a cold streak right now. I'm not saying that I'm going to decide who wins the trade based on this current streak. But Laine, just for the record, it is pointless in his last five games. We had a question from Adam H asking us if, Line A is becoming a snoozer, at least in like your shallower leagues. So maybe it's a good time to just jump over to Columbus right now. And yeah, talk about Patrick Line, who I actually traded earlier in the season in a couple. And I'm going to take the wins where I can because I'm not having the best season. I do I would do want to mention to the listeners, I have two other leagues and I'm like crushing those leagues. So like I don't want you to think I'm like a total loser this year. Yeah, Kakuffle isn't going so well, but I did trade Patrick Line for Jeff Skinner. And my thought was maybe, well, first of all, he was injured, but I thought when he comes back, so with Zach Wierenski injured, is he going to be able to really keep up such a great pace and i'm feeling like like uh, yeah he had nine shots in his last game versus washington so oh actually that's today's game so he's definitely not like he's not nothing i don't i i think the answer is probably that he's not a snoozer but he definitely is gonna he's not like maybe good enough to produce on a team that doesn't give him like really awesome players to play with right like i don't think he's like one of these superstars like a mcdavid who can just carry i think that was one of the issues people had with line a's he needs like a good player to be feeding him the puck he's not like someone who could just like do it on his own and i think we're kind of seeing it lately in columbus because they're a shallower team and he really isn't producing And i'm curious to know if you think a bounce back is like for sure going to happen or is it going to be a bit of a struggle with line a for the rest of the season well we thought goudreau would be a really good player for line a to play with right sure. and it split up recently yeah yeah and like we thought there was line a goudreau jenner and that was going to be good or good enough for everybody to succeed there and line a so far yeah just a 55 point pace even though he's taken three and a half shots per game and honestly his five on five play looks pretty decent to me he's got a bit of a low on ice shooting percentage so overall though what he's doing at five on five doesn't seem ter- it's not his most successful season at five on five by a long shot but he also hasn't like fallen off a cliff or anything either <laughs> yeah where it's you're really- saying like all these words that are like very like yeah it's been decent and he's like okay you know well, it's like we're comparing him to Pierre-Luc Dubois who's like a superstar okay. now yeah but yeah. Well, well the problem the reason that what we're seeing remember Pierre-Luc Dubois I talked about how he's found his game on the power play he's gotten top power play and he's crushing uh, everything with it Patrick Liney has just four power play points through 24 games this wow. season, which puts him on pace for just 16 power play points over the course of a full year, which is not good. That's not what you want from like your top power play trigger man, like someone who's supposed to be a lights out scorer uh, from that position. So that's uh, that's concerning. And it's actually been a little while since Liney has had big power play success. It's been a little while since Liney has had, you know, a huge measure of success since those early seasons anyway. But I, yeah, it, even last year, Liney's power play production was not, it was better than it has been so far this year. So I think with some power play production back, he doesn't look as bad as he has so far this year. But also Columbus is just... You know, Columbus is a rough place to be, and we thought maybe he'd be insulated on a top line if he got to play with Goudreau and Jenner, and uh, that just hasn't happened. Yeah, well, obviously, Jenner getting injured didn't help, like, a lot. And Wierenski getting injured, I think, is a big deal, right? He's a big part of that Huge power play. Huge deal, yeah. Now, what is it? Marcus Bjork has been quarterbacking it when Adam Bokvist is healthy scratched? Like, yeah, it's not, it's well, not a good Bjork and Bokvist, I think, have both been healthy scratched over the last week or two. They're, sure. like, one night quarterbacking the top power play, next night in the press box. 
And just to make this the episode where we bring up random players who hit, there's a guy named Tim Bernie on Columbus who had six hits today. I added him in my dynasty. League. How do you spell so, Bernie? B-E-R-N-I. Oh. Yeah. Uh, either this game, I, I want to make it uh, more clear here. So Washington, it's over now. They won one nothing against Columbus. Uh, but I could see a line shakeup on Washington because it looks like they were totally outplayed. Like, actually, Darcy Kemper made 37 saves for the shutout. Columbus actually looks like they almost doubled the number of shots. Washington only put 19 shots on Elvis Merzlikens, and Merzlikens let one of them go by him. Uh, and he had to take the loss there. So, yeah, maybe it wasn't a great game for the Capitals, which kind of makes sense. You know, you have all these players coming back. You have to find your... Um, you know, chemistry and whatever. Anyways, okay. So that, I, I should mention Kirill Marchenko had a hat trick in Columbus's last game, but then nothing today. So I don't know. I, since, I, since I'll just finish off the Columbus talk now, is he someone now that all of a sudden we're like super stoked about? Like, I know he has a high pedigree, but he only played 10 minutes today. So I'm going to, I'm going to give my answer and say like, it's awesome that he got that hat trick. But if he's, you know, not playing with Line or Gaudreau and he's not on the top power play, then I think you aren't ex- especially interested in Marchenko, even if he had that big game. No, I, I'm with you, Elon, on Marchenko. He's just, uh, you know, like, three goals is amazing for Marchenko. And I also love that we named a bunch of Columbus guys not too long ago for a good schedule early in the week. And he, Marchenko wasn't one of them. And then, bam, you know, we're talking Kent Johnson, Milt Bemstrom. Marchenko was not on our list. And then he goes and puts up that hat trick. But Marchenko was clearly feeling it that night. That's just the third time in 15 games that Marchenko has even taken three shots, let alone scored, let alone scored three times. So a big night for Marchenko, who is generally not a big shooter, and uh, maybe a nice confidence-building moment for him, but not a reason for me to run out and go grab him. Yeah. And I'll, okay, one more, like, I guess, correction or like uh, update here. Adam is reminding me in the chat that uh, with the whole thing I was saying about Pierre-Luc Dubois and how he asked for a trade, Adam is saying that he thinks P- PLD was implying that he'll sign his qualifying offer and then be a UFA like the following season. So maybe we'll get one more year of PLD with Winnipeg, unless that just forces Winnipeg's hand to trade him. You'd think they'd be able to get a really good return for him. What did uh, Chicago get? Maybe it's like similar to Chicago trading away Alex Dabrinkit, right? I feel like those are like similar caliber guys, but I feel like there's even a m- premium on like a center. You you know, so you would think maybe there should be a better return from... Like, I would expect, yeah. Well, I think Chicago might have been able to pull better, do better in that Debrinket deal anyway. It's hard to say. But I, I also, Elon, I feel like Pierre-Luc Dubois, like you said, as a centerman who can center a top line and play on the top power play, might fetch a might fetch a, a pretty handsome. I'm I'm curious to see where this goes. It's a mm-hmm. bit of a soap opera situation in Winnipeg between Shifley and uh, and Dubois, and I think even Nate Schmidt was in on this at some point, also saying like he's unhappy. I I might be I might be wrong about that. I apologize if I am, but uh, we'll we'll just have to see how it all shakes out. I going back to your question, who won the trade between Dubois and Lana? Yeah, I would have if I had to sign a guy. For the next seven years at $8 million, I would definitely sign Dubois over Liney. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Winnipeg, for their credit, they've won five games in a row now. I wonder, like, that's a good way to help with players asking for trades, right? Is for the team to be super successful and make it a fun place to play. Like, they're now 26-31-1 on the season. So maybe if Winnipeg could actually go on a bit of a run here, obviously it's helped that Connor Hellebuck is back to, like, his Vesna form. So if, if 
you know, they go on a run. Maybe, who knows? Maybe some of these guys will, will change their minds. But anyways, let's, let's move on to another team or another outjury. Okay, let's go to Vegas where Jack Eichel is back. Uh, the lines have already been shifting around a little bit, obviously, after a really rough 5-1 loss to L.A. on Saturday. So the game started with Eichel, Marcia so and Riley Smith leaving Michael Amadio on the line with Stone and Stevenson, as we kind of were predicting on the last episode. We're saying, if it's going well, like, why mess with it? Eichel could just go somewhere else. Anyways, then, like, you know, they were getting hammered by the Kings, and uh, Logan Thompson got pulled at one point, and then Eichel looks like in March so, they, they swapped Riley Smith off that line, and then Cotter was on that line. So anyways, who knows? I, I think it's going to be a big blender. Uh, they'll probably try something new in the next game. And Vegas is a bad schedule next week. They only play Thursday, Saturday. So I guess they have a lot of time now to think about it and try to figure out what's the best combination. I have a suggestion. I'm not a professional, but I feel like probably Eichel Stone Stevenson is a pretty good line that you might want to try out. I don't know. I, I don't know if we've seen it before, but it seems like something that could be successful. Um, so in that case, I think if you're holding on to Michael Amadio, and I know we said last week he's a good guy to grab, at this point, especially with the bad schedule, next week can we give people permission to like drop this guy he had a seven game point streak playing with stone and stevenson he's now pointless in two and i wouldn't like no guarantees but i wouldn't be surprised if he's not playing with those guys to start the next game me too oh like we'll wait and see and we we don't know yet it seems like bruce cassidy in vegas has some kind of inclination to spread his offense out if he can or maybe this is just a way of just easing jack eichel back into the lineup but like you, Elon, I wouldn't at all be surprised to just see that top line reunited before long, which would make Mike Amadio fantasy irrelevant. You could hang on to him until that happens. Or I think they have, what, two games next week? So you could just let go and not feel so bad about it. Yeah, I'm sure you could let him go and then get him back even. Like, I don't think people are going to be rushing to add him with that bad schedule and with him now uh, pointless in two games. And the fact that we are talking about Michael Amadio, a guy who was like, getting healthy scratched earlier in the season. Uh, Jack Eichel, for what it's worth, he had a goal and two assists in his like return on January 5th versus Pittsburgh and then nothing versus uh, L.A., and only two shots, so not. But that was a that was a bad game for the whole team, including Logan Thompson, who, by the way, has like not been as amazing lately. Like he started the year so good, basically made it so Vegas was very happy to just stick with him and Aiden Hill as their tandem and send Brossois to the minors. And apparently, Brossois is actually doing pretty well in the minors for what it's worth. Uh, but Thompson, so three goals against on nineteen shots versus LA before getting pulled. I was just looking at his game log over his last fifteen games. I think it's a pretty decent sample. It's not, it's not great, right? Like, not consistent. Not someone you can set your watch to. Like, okay, out of, of those 15 games, he's letting five goals in two of them, four goals in three of them, three goals in five of them. So a third of the games. That, that, right there, that's two-thirds of the games with three or more goals against. Then he's had three two-goal against games and then one one-goal against and one shutout. So, like, I'm not saying he's been terrible the whole time. It adds up to, like, an average-ish goalie. But he's someone who I think in our minds we were starting to think of as, like, this is one of the upper-tier goalies in the league here. But yeah, only a third of his games are less than three goals against lately. Are we worried that maybe he's hitting like a bit of a rookie wall? Like maybe he's like super talented, but this is a guy who's never played a full season in NHL starter. There's a reason why Andre Vasilevsky is so amazing. It's not just like he has good games, but he's able to consistently keep up his like high elite performance, like every game of the year playing, you know, volume, then year in, year out, which is like a whole other thing. And that's the reason why I always like put him at the top of Schmore goalies board with you, even though there's other goalies maybe were better in the previous year you just know Vasilevsky is gonna be someone you can rely on and I'm not saying Logan Thompson can't be some, something great like that one day I mean I, don't, I mean I don't want to put any pressure on him to say he has to be like Vasilevsky but I think it is possible that he's good but also maybe it will be a struggle for the rest of the year just because this is new and it probably takes time to learn to like be consistent through a whole season as an NHL goalie 
Yeah, especially if you are 25 years old and you've never really been considered as a potential long-term NHL starter. So, like, that's another thing in the mix here that Logan Thompson, like, undrafted, um, basically has worked his way up from the East Coast Hockey League, or I think it's actually just called the ECHL. They dropped, like, they just call it the acronym, and the acronym is meaningless. They just kept the letters. Anyway. Really? Like KFC? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, I think that's still, is it not Kentucky Fred? No, I think they just call it KFC now. Oh. So, like, officially it it doesn't stand for anything? I think so. Exactly what you just said about the ECHL. I think it's the same. Wow. It's also true, I think, of a college hockey conference to the ECAC. Anyway, um, okay, what were we saying? Logan Thompson, undrafted, no pedigree. So, Elon, you're saying maybe he has to learn, like, he has to work at the skill of being a starter, which is true. Also, maybe he just isn't, is another thing for us to consider. But he was was really good to start the year. (laughs) Right, so we want to keep our minds open. I need to anywhere we can find a starter potential NHL goalie. Like we're gonna we're gonna try and find one. And Logan Thompson appeared to be that for the first chunk of the season. But as you mentioned, Elon, he's sort of been alternating between decent start and bad start for uh, a few weeks now. And actually, for the last uh, five weeks, Logan Thompson has been very bad at five on five. Interestingly enough, his protection hasn't quantitatively changed, but I do wonder, like Zach Whitecloud has been injured. Alex Petrangelo missed some time. Shea Theodore's been out. Alex Martinez missed a couple games. You wonder what impact that's had on how the D group operates, even if the number, like Thompson's expected save percentage, still seems to have held steady through all of that. But I'm sure, I'm sure there's differences in how the shots come and how things play and how steady and safe and secure you feel in your crease and being able to predict what's going on in front of you. I wonder. So we'll see what happens as the Vegas Blue Lion slowly returns to health. Um, Obviously, I don't love what I see from Thompson lately. He's been really, really bad. So we'll see if things improve when Shea Theodore returns, maybe, or before then. But now there's some red on his record for us to say maybe Logan Thompson won't be the guy. And maybe we keep uh, an eye now on Aiden Hill to see if he can come in and do anything to make some kind of impression. Or if Laurent Brassard gets a chance at any point in the near future. I'm not counting on either of those guys being any better than logan thompson so far they haven't shown themselves to be i think logan thompson is the best bet of that group to turn out to be a starter for the team for the rest of the year but maybe this is a moment where uh, if you're just looking for games played those guys get in the net a little more often yeah i'm just gonna throw it out there like i obviously had to bring this up because i'm a journalist and i'm just reporting the news that logan thompson hasn't been as good lately but i'm gonna say my prediction is that he'll be just fine and it's like a buy low opportunity. But of course, with goalies, like I don't want to like really stick my neck out because who knows? Goalies are random. I have a hunch that Logan Thompson is really good and he'll be fine. But I, I want to posit that maybe he was hitting a rookie wall. Yeah. Who knows? Cool hunch. Very uh, journalistically ethical of you. Thank you. All right. So next, uh, we've still got some outcheries to get to, some injuries. And we've got hot streaks and cold streaks. We've got a lot, Brian, to talk about, which is good. We're, we're settled in here. We're going to be here for a while. But why don't we just take a quick break hear a word from our sponsors uh, over uh, that blue wire has sourced for us so enjoy these ads and we'll be back soon for the second half of part one here with more injuries and outries bye 
Hi, we're back. Okay, let's continue, Brian, on these uh, injuries and outries. Let's do an outry here. Morgan Riley is back for the Leafs. He's been back for a little while now, but I don't think we talked about it too much. Uh, he's played five games now for Toronto. Only three assists in those five games going into today. Toronto is playing against Philly at the end of the first. It's 2-1 Toronto. Let's see, did Riley? Nothing so far. And maybe one reason why Riley isn't producing like maybe he used to is because he has not been on the top power play all the time. Like the Leafs have uh, started running this five forward power play with Mitch Marner as the quarterback. And it seems like it's going pretty well. Like Riley still is getting some power play time. We get 50% in the last game. But this is a guy who used to get like 70, 80%, you know, and the Leafs would just roll out that awesome top power play. If he's been bumped lately by uh, Michael Bunting, who's taken that spot as the fifth forward. He's been really great, right? Bunting is now up to 19 points in his last 19 games going into today. Pointless in his last two games for what it's worth, but if he's on the top power play as well as on that line with Matthews, I feel like he could be a 70 plus point guy. Like obviously this, the you know deployment has to stick, but Bunting's amazing. He's probably not available at this point in any leagues. I can't imagine. Uh, but yeah, how worried would you be as a Morgan Riley manager at this point? If he loses that top power play, that's huge. That's like, like I feel not kills his fantasy value. He still plays a lot on the team that scores a lot of goals, but that's gotta be like, what, like a 10, 15 point hit at least. It's a hit, for sure. So I'd be a little worried about Morgan Riley, although we said that about Charlie McAvoy, and as we'll hear about later, he uh, he seems to have gotten off unscathed from his little uh, vacation from the top power play unit. But Morgan Riley, I'm a little... You gotta be at least a little worried when this sort of thing happens. Uh, let's take a look overall at the Toronto power play, though, which is where we want... Well, those of us who have Riley on our rosters, that's where we want him to be. Uh, Toronto has the eighth-ranked power play in the league. They're converting on about a quarter of their opportunities. From a mo- from the moment that the Leafs went five forwards, they've actually been slightly more successful than uh, converting on one out of every quarter. They've, they've converted on 28% of their power play opportunities. Mind if I ask a, a quick question? Uh-huh. Like, because I guess the big, like, reason why people say to not do the five forwards is like they're letting in shorthanded goals. Do you have any data there of if they've had like more shorthanded goals against like, you know, they're, they're getting the benefit of more goals, which kind of makes sense. You have more offensive guys, but I I think most teams want to have that defenseman there just to make sure that the other team isn't able to come back and score. Great question, Elon. So the Leafs have given up one shorthanded goal against, and uh, it was in a six, five loss to St. Louis in a shootout. So it was kind of a, a big deal to give up that goal. And uh, it, well, since they've been at five forwards and that's just been an eight or nine game span. So in the 25 games or so, when they had a defenseman on their power play unit, they'd given up just one shorthanded goal in all that time. So that's a, it's an interesting point. I don't think they're getting crushed because they have five forwards on the unit, but I'm sure one or two more shorthanded goals against would probably tell them to put a D man there. And it's also not like Morgan Riley is an elite D back there, but he knows how to play the position better than a forward, you would think. Um, But anyway, that Toronto power play is really clicking with five forwards. They have a power play goal in seven of their last eight games. So on one hand, I'm thinking, well, if it ain't broke in Toronto, why would they try to fix it? But that unit has also been really strong all season. Like the power play was very much not broke with Morgan Riley on it, which is reason for me to think, I like, I think he'll get back up there again at some point. The only like uh, one rationale I could give for him not is maybe coach wants Riley to be fresher for five on five play. Like if I could rest a defenseman during my power play time, 
I might do that, especially if I feel like I need to rely on him in my top four. So it's a little worrisome that Morgan Riley hasn't jumped back up there yet. I'm not giving up hope that he never gets up there again, though, but it is a situation that I will be closely monitoring if I am rostering Morgan Riley. Yeah, I think it's concerning. And like what you said, like most teams would just want to have a defenseman there. I think that uh, from what I've been seeing on Twitter, for whatever that's what, like, I think Mitch Marner is actually like good, like as like he's he's a good defensive player. So it's not as if you know, like you said, like Morgan Riley is not an elite defensive player. So maybe he and Mitch Marner are actually not too far apart. So that'd be another reason to be concerned. Uh, Callie Yarncroft, by the way, we brought him up last week. He's been sticking in that you know spot on the second line with Marner and Tavares, and he is like you know not hasn't been amazing like it's not as if you're like loving life because you added kelly yarncrock he had an assist versus detroit two pointless games before that uh but now i see he scored a goal today versus philly at the, uh, there at the end of the first assisted by marner and connor timmons so i think yarncrock's going to continue to be you know borderline rosterable probably someone you want to have if you can get him especially when toronto has a good schedule if he's going to stick in that spot which it seems like like he will okay so let's go to our next injury here matt zuccarello was hurt versus tampa on wednesday i think i saw an update saying he'll be back soon so maybe there's actually not much to uh talk about today with minnesota now that we've had that update it, uh so matt boldy took the spot on the top line and i thought it was very interesting that sam Steele took the top power play spot so like sam Steele, at least in the short term line one and power play one uh, right now, Minnesota is... Let's get an update here. So they're losing one nothing to St. Louis. And just let me bring up the lines for today. But again, maybe this is like not even that valuable of information since Zuccarello is not a serious thing. Uh, but yeah, so still Steel, Boldy, Kaprizov on the top line. They haven't had a power play yet. Okay, here's an, uh, here's an actual question I could ask you about, Saint, that, about Minnesota, I should say, that I think is actually interesting regardless of if Zuccarello comes back soon or not. I kind of wrote off Ryan Hartman. I think a lot of us did. He came back from his injury. He didn't get back on the top line. He's not on the top power play. So I think a lot of us said, okay, so I guess he's not, you know, he'll go back to the Ryan Hartman of old from his Chicago days. Uh, but he's actually doing really well, even from his line. He's got three goals and two assists in his last three games. Is this someone that's worth rostering in a league like the Cupful or maybe even shallower leagues, even though he's on like line two or line three? I don't even know what you call it, right? You've got Steele, Boldy, and Kaprizov. And then you've got two lines that seem kind of even, like for today. Day, it's uh, Hartman, Gaudreau, and Duhame, then Erickson Eck, Felino, and Ryan Reeves. Okay, so that means someone is definitely missing. So I think Jordan Greenway. I think Greenway, I did see that, that he was yeah, hurt. Gre- yeah, he's hurt. He was ruled out okay. shortly before the game. So, so Ryan Hartman is playing with Gaudreau and Duhame, which is not a great line, right? Like you wouldn't think, but Hartman also has 10 shots in his last three games. So that's nice. But the problem is that now that Zuccarello's out, Boldy moves up to that top line, which means that Hartman really has no one to play with. I think when Boldy is on that line, maybe Ryan Hartman gets like a Freddie Goudreau-ish kind of performance, like we saw last year when Goudreau was with Matt Boldy and Kevin Fiala. Uh, and that's the best we could hope for, which wasn't so rosterable anyway for Freddie Goudreau. Um, so I, look, I'm Ryan Hartman, it's a nice little run. It's great to have another forward who may be worth a stream in Minnesota. They're kind of a frustrating team in that they never... Like, there's some teams where the stream-worthy players are kind of always being picked up and dropped. In Minnesota, it's like either you got them all year or you don't. And uh, we'll see if Ryan Hartman is an option in a in a nice schedule week for the Wild to be added. Um, by the way, Sam Steele on the top line. Do you know he's up to a uh, goal and nine assists, 10 points 
in his last 10 games, only 16 shots. Some power play production from the second unit is boosting that. And of course, Sam Steele is, is kind of a tough hold in peripherals leagues because he doesn't do much else when he's not scoring. I've said that a few times, but different guys tonight. But it sure looks like Sam Steele is sticking. At, like we're talking about Ryan Hartman mm-hmm. on another line. Looks like Sam Steele is sticking as Kaprizov, Semterman, who we were all desperate to try and figure out who was going to be this year. So I would be very interested in going and grabbing Sam Steele and seeing just how long he can keep being a reasonably consistent producer. I think there's a chance that he could be rosterable through the rest of the season, even without peripherals, if he can keep getting in on goals scored by Kaprizov and Zuccarello uh, and occasionally, very occasionally himself. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Like, I, I wasn't planning on bringing up Sam Steele just because we've kind of already brought him up for the last few weeks, and I feel like we've come to that conclusion. It's kind of like Kevin Bear, our awesome couple coordinator, asked in the chat here, are you planning on bringing up Phoenix Copley today? And I just could kind of like, well, no. I feel like I have nothing new to say about him because I keep t- saying every week that you should add him. I feel like at this point, hopefully people have gotten the message. I feel like the same about Sam Steele. Like, yeah, he's on the top line. Doesn't seem like he's going anywhere. So yeah, I'm definitely with you that Sam Steele is good. A more like interesting question at this point is a guy who's been in the same spot most of the season when he's not getting healthy scratches. Kalen Addison on that top power play, who like we were excited about. Uh, he had a couple good games at the start of the year. Then he went totally cold. He was getting dropped everywhere. Then every once in a while, he has a good game. And people are like, oh, maybe now's the time. Because generally, the rule for fantasy hockey is that if there's a top power play defenseman on like a good power play, a power play with someone like Kirill Kaprizov, you generally want to roster that guy. And now, all of a sudden, Kalen Addison, again, two straight multi-point games in a row before this game today against St. Louis. So we'll see what he does today. Uh, but like, is this a situation where I like I just don't want to go on the podcast and say everyone go out and get Kalen Addison just for then him to do nothing and people like stop recommending Kalen Addison to me he never works out but at the same time I don't want to not say to get Kalen Addison because he's good like I mean he's like going into the year people thought he was really good right he was like a high pedigree guy he got this like spot you know taking Jared Spurgeon off the top power play and uh, so I don't don't know Brian what do you think is this a fool me once situation with Kalen Addison or is it like no just get him now because he's starting to produce so i have one ad left for my helpful team that's the keeping carlson ultimate patron fantasy league kkupfl.com that acronym stands for real words uh okay. if you want if you want more info uh on how to join and be a part of it yes yeah, so you have kaylin addison okay so okay i have kaylin addison available to me with one move left this week and he'd get into my lineup for a few games next week i'm desperate for d And I'm not sure I'm going to add Kalen Addison. I love that he has six shots in his last two games and five points in these last two games, three of them coming on the power play. I I guess I'm still skeptical. Like you said, fool me once. This would be like the third or fourth time that Kalen Addison is fooled. Like he was a, he was a treasure at the start of the season. Anybody who had Kalen Addison, who raced to get him out of free agency or picked him up off waivers or drafted him late was feeling so good about themselves. And then, well, was basically at a disadvantage for as long as they held Kalen Addison for. Like, he had six shots in his last two games. Like I said, that's his highest consecutive night total all season. In the third and fourth games of the year, Addison had five shots and then one shot on goal. That's the only other time he's put up six shots over two games. This is a guy who is very quiet. I don't know, Elon. Like, the truth is, like you said, you don't want to say forget him and you don't want to say go add him. I'm in the same place. Like, I don't know if anything's changed with Addison I'm watching to see if he has figured out how to produce as a power play one quarterback, but I am not yet sold. I'm going to need to see more to really believe that he is worth running Mm -hmm. running out and getting. 
Yeah, I know. Like, I get what you're saying, but like, you know that you someone else wait. is going to grab him if yeah, you don't. So, okay, so let me ask you: you you play in the cupful, kupfl dot com. Do oh you God. do you think that I should add him? Well, who else? Like, who are we deciding between? Obviously, you can't answer these questions without some context. Okay, I'll share. Uh, I'll share. So, I have a couple. Like, I have a bunch of like random Nashville forwards. All the guys we talked about on short shifts. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got Cam York. But you said that you'll be... Oh, that's interesting. Okay, wait, one second. Sorry, because if you're telling me forwards or Kayla Addison, I can't compare apples to oranges. Are you getting more games out of Addison because you need D? I would stream in the forward and then drop them first. And I do need defense. So, like, I could get two games early in the week out of a forward. Or I could bring in a defenseman that might last on my roster a while. Cam York ticks both boxes, plays twice early, and is on defense. Uh, who else am I looking at? On defense, do I you know my defensive options sure i guess but i'll stop you right there like cam york is also very interesting right like maybe so we, how about we let's dive into cam york and then answer the question okay afterwards. Let's, it's, let's it's table a shallow that. pool but i'm ready to dive in okay well oh is that like a diss on cam york okay let's no the it's, table. it's not a diss i just don't i have as much to say on him as i do okay. kaylin addison do you want to set the table and i'll tell you what i know Sure. Okay. okay. Well, I know that Cam York is a high pedigree guy, drafted 14th overall, uh, like I guess three years ago now, four years ago. Oh, my time is going. 2019 is four years ago, everybody. So, well, I guess it was in the summer of 2019, so three and a half years ago. But yeah, so he was drafted 14th overall. Uh, he's taken a while to get into the league. He did play a couple games in, in the 2020-21 season. Then he played 30 games last season, but didn't get great deployment. And this year, it seems like Tortorella likes, actually, he's playing fewer minutes, actually, now that I'm looking at the time on ice. He's not even playing that much this year but he's getting more points in the time he's playing right he has seven points in his last nine games philly's been scoring a decent number of goals they've won like three games in a row going into today i guess yeah we do have this game happening right now between toronto and philly um did i mention who scored the philly goal travis connecting scored it looks like unassisted travis connecting is very good by the way as a side note um but cam york is yeah on a hot streak and he's a high pedigree guy so actually very similar to kaylin addison right a big more assist heavy uh, unfortunately for cam york he's not on the top power play right because tony d'angelo has been very good there and he's not getting bumped so i don't know i think uh okay so yeah you tell us what you think about cam york as of now but obviously i'll be interested to hear your answer and what you think of cam york i think i'd lean kaylin addison yeah i think i just add the top power play guy and hope for the best Okay, yeah. So, Kim York, uh, you mentioned, first-round pick of Philly back in 2019, 14th overall. Do you know he's uh, he's from Anaheim, Elon? He grew up watching the likes of uh, Lubomir Viznovsky, who's getting another mention on the show, uh, Scott Niedermeyer, and a 19-year-old Cam Fowler on the Anaheim Blue Line. I picked a random year to look at the Blue Line for when Cam York might have been getting interested in following the Ducks. Um, last season, or sorry, this season so far, Cam York, before his call-up, had 13 points in 20 games with Leahy Valley of the AHL, which is a step forward for York. Last season, he had just 12 points in 34 games, where he also had 10 points in 30 games in various stints with the Flyers last year. He doesn't shoot. He has seven shots in 12 games, no peripherals to speak of, but eight points over 12 games. And if you slice it different, seven is last nine, including a three-game point streak. And like Kaylin Addison, Elon, I just, I don't see why this would or wouldn't continue. Like I came York, the Flyers are shooting almost 13% with him on the ice, which is helping him pick up points. So I, I don't think that's quite going to last. Uh, he is on the top pair, though, even though he's not on the top power play. Kaylin Addison is not on the top pair, but he is on the top power play. So... Fewer minutes for Addison, but higher quality minutes for Addison. So I I agree. I think I would go Addison over York. Um, 
it really is just sort of Addison versus I, I've got Blankenberg who might be returning as another D option. And then, like I said, all these random Nashville forwards who are, I don't think you should take a random forward. Like the way I like to play anyways, if you need, like you, when you say you need D, you mean like you have empty spots on your roster, right? Yes, that is correct. Yeah. So yeah, just like fill the spot. And then when you stream other players, you know, you can stream for schedule, but you could be guaranteed that this spot's going to get every game. I don't know. I like to like have four defensemen or if I have three defensemen, I like it to be because I have all my forwards are on a, a week where everyone's going to play all their games. I don't know if I'd be streaming random Nashville, but even the way you present them, random Nashville forwards. I think I'd rather get the top power play defenseman and hope it does well, but obviously it could go either way. Yeah. So far he has a, he has a shot. Oh, I can't use my last move of the week on him because he's already started playing. Oh wait, I just added him. Can. Oops. All right. Okay. Yeah. I'm a, you definitely I'm a, can add players on Yahoo that after have the game, played. right? You can't drop someone if they're in their active lineup. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, now you've got him. So, well, hopefully that goes well for you. Out of curiosity, since we're talking about some defensemen, uh, I was going to when we brought up Cam York later in the show, as we were originally planning to, I was going to compare him to a guy who's fifty-eight percent rostered in Yahoo leagues, and I'm trying to figure out why. Let's say you had not only Addison and York in your free agency, but let's say you also had Evan Bouchard out there. Would you have even considered him? Because he's still rostered no. in 58% of Yahoo leagues. Like, I don't get it. He's pointless in seven. He's pacing for 28 points on the year. Like, why is why aren't people dropping Evan Bouchard? I don't get it. I would, I'd also take York or Kalen Addison over Evan Bouchard. Evan Bouchard is uh, not rosterable, right? Like, he is a huge snoozer. He was someone who you'd grab early and pick up because, yeah, maybe he could do enough uh, peripheral contributing while you wait for him to take over the top power play role from Tyson Barry. But Evan Bouchard is shooting less than he was last year, two shots per game versus two and a half. And that might be because he isn't seeing as much top power play time. I I actually, technically he is seeing more on average than he was last year, but I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's like as high quality time. Like when he was really in there for Tyson Barry, which he hasn't been all season long. So yeah, only a couple shots a game, like he'll get you a hit a game a block most games that's it there's no reason to be having especially uh, if your league counts plus minus and Bouchard is a minus 14 which is definitely probably not working in his favor for being able to mount any kind of challenge to um to Tyson Barry as the top power play quarterback yeah I think that uh, people need to get over Evan Bouchard at least for now it's not happening uh, I remember there were theories earlier in the year that like Edmonton was like actively suppressing Bouchard so that they won't have to pay uh, pay him a lot for next year because he's going to be a free agent. I don't know. They're doing a good job if that's what they're trying to do. He definitely has not uh, earned himself a big contract for next year. Though I, I'd imagine he had, he had some opportunities, at least even strike. Like you say, Brian, he's minus 14, so that doesn't help. Um, well, I'm at a crossroads, Brian, because normally how we do Keeping Carlson episodes is sort of at once we talk about a player, we talk about some other players on that team, but we've kind of gone off the rails a bit after talking about Kalen Addison. So I've got some more Philly guys to go along with the Cam York talk. I also have some more Edmonton guys to go along with the Evan Bouchard talk, or we could just get back to where we were and get to Philly and Edmonton later. Where do you, where do you want to go? Do you want to stick with the injuries and outdries or just want me to keep with, with what we're doing here? You're the host. You don't care. Okay, the, let's go back to... Okay, let's go back to the above my pay grade. 
<laughs> Let's go back to the injuries and outreach. We'll get back to Philly and Edmonton later on in part two. Okay, but more outreach. We were talking about how Zuccarello's injured. Uh, we have a couple big injuries in St. Louis, who's the team that's currently playing Minnesota. Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko both out long term. I know this has already been discussed on short shifts episodes, but I wanted to get it in here. Uh, so that's led to St. Louis really just loading up their top line with their three best guys, Thomas, Buchnevich, and Kairou. And they're all feasting. They're all like really having amazing stretches. I won't go into the specific numbers, but it's like, you know, over a point per game, over a decent stretch. Uh, also, those three, Thomas Buchnevich and Kairou, have been on the top power play with Braden Shen and Justin Falk. And this is not like the general situation in St. Louis where they have two even powers power plays with these injuries. Uh, all these guys are seeing like 80 plus percent of the power play time, at least in these last three games. So I'd imagine. So first of all, not that this is so fantasy relevant because none of these guys are probably available. But if any of them are, this is like great news. Like normally it's not nice to say it's great that like there's injuries on a team. But I think like Thomas Buchnevich, Kairou, and then Shen and Falk like have gone up a lot in value while these players are injured because they're going to be getting all the power play time. Yeah, well, Thomas, Rob Thomas, his value has already been up. And I think we we haven't, like, Cairo, when he started getting going, we gave him some credit. Buchnevich, I'm not sure if we gave him full credit once he started getting going. But Rob Thomas was also someone we were asking at one point in early November, what do you do with this guy? He's not doing the one thing he needs to do, which is put up points. And when he doesn't do that, he's another guy who doesn't do anything else. But Rob Thomas has been hot for a while now, since mid-November, 30 points in his last 28 games. He hasn't gone pointless in consecutive games since early November. So a rough start for Robert Thomas, but he shook it off a while ago already. Probably should have shouted him out for it by now. So uh, yeah, Go get, like, if he's still, if everyone's sleeping on Robert Thomas somehow, Thomas, Kairou, Buchnevich, Shen, Falk, all absolutely rosterable. Okay, yeah, definitely. I think they're all going to just keep doing better and better. Was there another question in there? I'll throw in another question to you right now. Uh, so along with those guys getting more power play time, we also have like top six time now that's more available, right? With these injuries. So obviously not maybe great news for Braden Chen, or maybe you'll tell me because with Thomas Buchnevich and Kairou all being loaded up on the top line, Braden Chen has been playing with Brandon Saad and Ivan Barbashev. And now those guys are doing pretty well. Saad actually four goals and one assist in his last three games going into today. And St. Louis has a goal today. And I think I saw, yeah, Brandon Saad scored the goal. It looks like from the second power play. I just talked about how this first power play is getting all the time. And now today it's been the second power play that scored a goal assisted by Neighbors and Colton Pareko. Uh, but yeah, so Saad is on a hot streak now. This is now six points in his last four games. And this game isn't even over yet. Barbashev, one goal and two assists in his last couple of games. Are you interested in these like now secondary St. Louis Blues with while uh, Ryan O'Reilly and Tarasenko are injured and they're maybe getting upgraded deployment? Brandon Saad can't stop. I'm very frustrated by it personally. Uh, like last year, it was Mikhail Granlund who I've streamed like a thousand times and finally gave up. I'm not I'm not getting caught by you again, Mikhail Granlund. And then he goes off. And this year, I've been open to the idea of streaming him in again. And of course, he has not rewarded me at all. But now Brandon Saad has goals in four straight and five of his last six. And he's not shooting a whole lot more either. So honestly, there's not a whole lot for me to really like or believe in with Brandon Saad. I think this is just like, I don't know, the universe displaying its anger with something I've done. Uh, Saad has now six goals on 14 shots. Look, I like Brandon Saad more than maybe anybody else in the St. Louis lineup right now, like more than Jake Neighbors or Barbashev, who doesn't even shoot and Saad at least takes, you know, a couple or a few shots per night. 
But I don't see any of this really being able to continue for Brandon Saad. But uh, ride it while you can, I guess. Good for, good for him and anybody who was not so sick of him that I could not bear to have him on their roster. One of like he's in the Adam Larson camp, right? Of players who maybe are most well known for the player they were traded for. Like Saad for Panarin was such a shocking trade at oh the boy. time. But good good for him to be producing here. Uh by the way, Jordan Bennington was crushed by the Habs yesterday. St. Louis lost to Montreal, which isn't great. And uh, Bennington, that was his second five goals against game of the week. He also led in five versus Toronto on Tuesday. He was pretty great in a win over New Jersey on Thursday. But yeah, it's been a a bumpy road for Jordan Bennington. And maybe it's going to continue to be bumpy with all these guys hurt. Right now, Thomas Grice is playing for the Sunday game versus Minnesota. We're only halfway through the game. Hasn't led a goal yet. Uh, But yeah, I don't know. Not really a question here. But just, I'd be, I mean, we've already been concerned as a Bennington manager. Like, I wouldn't drop him. He's still the starter on this team for now. But uh, yeah, it's probably not good. It's good for those top liners maybe to have these injuries because they get increased opportunity. But I don't think it's going to be good for Jordan Binnington that St. Louis just lost two of their key players. No, it's not going to be good for Jordan Binnington. But he's already had a bumpy road, right? Like it's been a crazy year for Jordan Binnington in terms of performance. He hasn't consistently been good or been forever bad through the season. There's been a ton of ups and downs. Things had been better lately for Binnington and the team. He was on a run where he had just one regulation loss in nine appearances. Six of those were wins, too. So that was really good for Bennington. But obviously, the team has some adversity to punch through. And I expect Bennington to continue just being sort of an up-and-down goalie. I'm going to hold out hope, as somebody who has him on a couple rosters, I'm going to hold out hope that Bennington rises to the occasion. Now that there's a big challenge ahead of him, they have like one line of offense and one and a half lines of defense or whatever. And... Bennington is going to step up and be a key player in that equation, but I'm I'm not holding my, I'm going to hold out hope, but I'm not holding my breath that that is actually what's going to be what happens. Yeah, and for the future, the Blues just signed their guy from the minors, Joel Hoffer, or maybe it's Yoel. I think at one point someone told me it was Yoel or Yoel. Anyways, we'll learn one time. We'll learn for next year. It's probably just Joel Hoffer, and I'm being an idiot right now. Anyways, they just signed him to I think a two year contract. That's like a one way contract, which doesn't mean they can send him down to the minors, but they're gonna have to pay him like the whatever it is seven hundred sixty thousand dollars, as opposed to you know some players are on these contracts where they get less money. Uh, uh, to me, that's an indication that they'd prefer to just have him in the big leagues because why take a cap hit like that? Uh, so who knows? You know, Thomas Grice is you know he's not gonna be still with St. Louis at the end of the year. Like he'll just be a UFA. So next. Next year, I'd be worried about Biddington because I don't think Grice is going to like steal a ton of starts, but I could see this Hoffer guy uh, doing so. He's apparently having a good year in the minors. So just something for those dynasty people. But if you've got Biddington in your long-term league, now might be a good time to trade him. Or maybe not now after he's led like five goals twice this week. Maybe next time he has a good game. Uh, Brian, okay, let's do another injury here. Jake DeBrusque, you discussed this on Shorts with Jeremy, covered it really well. Uh, you mentioned how Taylor Hall is now on the top power play. And that makes him maybe more interesting. But, like, he still only has one assist over his last eight games. Like, yeah, it's nice that he's there, but now he actually has to do things. You said last week that you're pretty much over Taylor Hall. And I was like, well, I don't know. I might still be. And you were like, I don't know, whatever. And I would ask you people to compare to Taylor Hall. And you'd be like, I'll take the other guy. Uh, anyways, now that Hall's on the top power play, are you still at, like, I guess you're, like, a little more interested in him. But in general, is he still someone you'd pass on in free agency in the couple? Or now are you, like, if he was there, you'd, you'd feel compelled to add him? I wouldn't run out and add Taylor Hall. If, if he's already in free agency and he's still been there after a game on the top power play yeah i'm not like oh yeah i'm so glad he's still out there i'm gonna go like i'd be happy to try taylor hall out over a bunch of other guys like other streamer type players like the ones you asked me about last week and basically any streamer level player we've talked 
about this week or even just above. Like, I would prefer Taylor Hall, just looking at who we've talked about tonight, to Connor Sherry, to Cole Perfetti, to Mike Amadio. Well, that's interesting to say Hartman. Connor Sherry, right? Like, I know you we're like skipping over yeah. guys. Like, Connor Sherry is on a really great run and I'm he's just on the assu- top line. I'm just assuming that's also assuming Sherry doesn't stick on the top line. And if I had to pick a guy who's on the top power play versus the top line, well, actually, we've had this conversation about Stefan Nason this year. And the answer has generally been not Stefan Nason, but Taylor Hall should be better. Anyway, I'd be happy to try him over most like any other streamer level player give him an extra couple games on my roster to see what he can do from the top power play but overall i am still very much in the same camp that i was the last time we talked about taylor hall which is meh kind of over him third line even top power play doesn't 100 percent sell me on taylor hall which is a huge huge fall from grace still yeah and when we say third line that's pretty because he wasn't. He's not on the third line now, right? So with with DeBrusque injured, he's on the second line. He's playing with Krejci and Zaka, but it is like a pretty bummer of a line because now with Pasternak not on that line, it, it's not a third line, but it's not it's not an exciting second line anymore, at least. Yeah, of course. Point taken. Second line with Krejci and Zaka, which we I talked about why that might not even be a great place to produce from on the short shifts episode. We'll see. He took a turn with Krejci and Pasternak last game, but I'm not sure why. So there's, maybe there's still a chance that he could play with Pasternak uh, at five on five and on the power play. That would make him even more interesting to me, which is uh, easy to do because I'm just not that interested in Taylor Hall on the whole right now, unfortunately. Right. And then like another guy, we had a question actually from Sam uh, asking, would you hold Krejci through next week? So Boston has a bad schedule next week. They're only Thursday, Saturday. And David Krejci has been great all year, right? He has 28 points in 34 games. It's a 68-point pace. But the majority of that has been playing with David Pasternak. If he's on this line with Hall and Zaka, that obviously is not good. And DeBrusque is going to be out at least a month. Maybe now's the time where you drop David Krejci and then, you know, have him on your watch list and get him back when DeBrusque comes back or when, like, the lines shift around again. I don't know. What's your take right now? Like, going into a bad schedule week, is Krejci, like, been so good that you have to hold? Like, he has two assists in his last six games, like, lately and, like, hardly any shots. So... He hasn't been amazing lately, but before that, he was like, great all season long. So it's, it's a tough call because, again, he was great all season long, but that was on a line that he's not currently on right now. Yeah, exactly. So coming into a, a bad week, I don't know if like you want to outright drop him. Maybe, of course, see if you can shop or trade him first. There's a couple things that have been working out for David Krejci so far, though, that, that shouldn't be working out. He's got 10 power play points this season in 34 games. That is top power play production when he spends uh, when he spent almost the entire season. He's been on the top unit for a bit here and there through the year, but that is way too high for somebody who is likely to spend the rest of the season on the second power play unit. Uh, so that's one thing. And then David Krejci also has scored seven five-on-five Five goals on just, I have it here, uh, 32 five-on-five shots, which means he's shooting 22%, which is twice as much as his usual like best case shooting scenario. So take a few points off for too many goals, take a few points off for too many power play points, and you're looking at a player who is not likely to be as impressive as his point pace the rest of the way. Yeah, so I think we could tell Sam that, yeah, if, if you have someone you're excited about adding, I think you're okay to drop Krejci for now, but hopefully you could get him back at some point when he gets back, you know, when everything gets back to normal, I would think. Like, I don't think he's going to stay in your free agency all year. Um, 
We should probably mention since we're talking about that power play, Charlie McAvoy has been back on the top power play for Boston. And he's had two straight two assist games with a power play assistant each. Last week we were talking about how Hampus Lindholm had gotten, you know, some sp- tries on that top power play and made us a little worried about McAvoy. I I hope that our advice, but I think you were saying that maybe like you can trade McAvoy if you can get someone really good for him. That's maybe a little bit safer. Yeah. Like obviously My- I hope no one like <laughs> traded him for someone that was not worth no, it and then mad at us. The advice on the show was to make a lateral or like an extremely minor downgrade just to avoid the risk that the situation carried. So, okay. So I feel okay with that. Yeah. But may- now I will rescind that. Just probably just hold on. To yeah. No, no, I'd hold on until he gets bumped off again. Who knows? Yes. Yeah. And then speaking now, okay, now this is another like fool me uh, situation. Like I don't want to give bad advice here, but I should mention as a journalist, (laughs) Hampus Lindholm is pointless in four games. He's not on the top power play. Do we dare risk calling him a snoozer and recommend that people could probably move on? Because the last time we did that, literally like that day, he ended up going on the top power play and going on a crazy run. But like, I still kind of maintain that I'm not that interested in Hampus Lindholm. Like he's good as like a really good depth, like a depth defenseman on your team. If like a lot of D are rostered in your league, like he's, he's in a good spot. He plays big minutes. I'm not saying he's nothing, but in your like shallower leagues, I'm not that interested in a second power play defenseman on Boston. That's, you know, not producing lately. Me neither. And uh, I'll risk saying it again and being burned by it again. And you're welcome to anyone who's still rostering him. We'll see if it works out for you again that Elon and I have both said, forget Hampus Lindholm. He's not on the top unit, not rosterable. You know, without power play production, Lindholm, I think there's a chance he can be about a half point per game producer, a couple shots, a couple blocks, a hit most nights. That has some value, of course. But if we are holding out hope that he's due another turn on the top unit, I wouldn't. I, I just, uh, we don't have any more insight that, like, I wish we had a little more insight than we do, but there's no reason to think he's going to step up and replace McAvoy there. Yeah. I mean, I'll take Lindholm over, like, Cam York and Addison, and definitely over Evan Bouchard, but I wouldn't, but yeah, yeah. so tweet at us at Keeping Carlson or ask on the Discord if, you, if you're trying to decide whether to drop Lindholm. It really depends, like, who you could get instead of him. Uh, Brian, so we've still got some more injuries and outries to get to. The, it's a dangerous league, I guess. Uh, and then some hot streaks and cold streaks. So we're going to be back with all of that in the second half of this mega episode. I've been having a blast. I hope you have as well. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Make sure you're subscribed to Keeping Carlson wherever you get your podcasts. If you watch us live on YouTube, I guess then you're a patron uh, because that's a purchase for patrons. But if you watch us after the fact on YouTube, we definitely ask for you to also subscribe to the podcast because that's how our friends over at Blue Wire give us credit for whether people are listening to the show. And yeah, hopefully we make it worth your while with a lot of great stuff in our feed all week long with two short shifts episodes, the new matchup maximizer show that we dropped the uh, maiden voyage of yesterday and part two of this mega episode coming up in just a bit where we're going to cover injuries to Tristan Jari and Matt Barzell and now Rope Hints just today. We're going to talk about Pacioretty's outjury, Evan Rodriguez, and then, yeah, some hot streaks. Like I said, Mason McTavish. Obviously, we've got to talk about him some more. Uh, So we're going to get to all that in part two. Thanks for listening, and we will see you soon.